0: You know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. Pierce. Very easy. Tatum drives down and throws it down. This is my MC's a thing. you kidding me? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode 109-109 of the Banner Branch podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a great weekend. It was chilly in Massachusetts. I don't know where you were, but it was chilly over the weekend. And too bad the Boston Celtics stayed cold basically all week. Not the best week for the Boston Celtics. But before we get into all that, this week could be a very, very cool week for the Banner Branch podcast. According to my analytics team, I should be hitting 10,000 total listens to the podcast at some point this week. So thank you so much. What a cool little milestone. 10,000 listens. Very cool. Thank you so much for all your support throughout these last two and a half years to get here. Let's try and get to 20,000. Let's try and get to 50,000. Whatever the case may be, let's keep this train rolling. And I also have a couple cool announcements once we do hit that 10K mark for the podcast that I think you're really going to enjoy, but as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team where you can find great podcasts like Those Girls You Know, Drinks After Work, Burnt Toast, Let's Get Rich Podcast, Eat the Damn Cake, and of course, The Marky P Show, and with all these restrictions getting lifted in the state of Massachusetts, I don't know what Connecticut's doing, but in the state of Massachusetts, Big Night Entertainment Group has some amazing, amazing restaurants, even down in Connecticut. Check them out at Bignight.com, Scorpion Bar, Red Lantern, Guy Fieri's, CBS Sporting Club, Mystique, Empire, the list goes on and on. Check them all out. Make your reservations at bignight.com. So, ugh, not the best week for the Boston Celtics. They go one out of three. Gross. They only win one game, and that was against the Chicago Bulls, where they won, I think that game was on Monday night, or Tuesday night, it, this past week seemed like it was forever, because I hated the fact that it could not be in TD Garden for this Lakers game. It literally crushed me. First time in 15 years. Since 2006, I was not in Section 315. Blech. Gross. Alright, so they beat the Bills. The Bills. <laughs> well, the Bills lost, so... I guess they beat the Bills too, but they beat the Bulls, 119-103. Then they lose to the San Antonio Spurs, which was so frustrating, 110-106. to And then they lost an absolutely bananas and very awkward Lakers game, 96-95. to I'm telling you this right now. Celtics-Lakers, without having fans, is weird, inappropriate, and completely and utterly uncalled for and should be changed immediately the next time it happens. Watch there be fans for the Lakers-Celtics game in the Staples Center. Just watch. Just, just my luck. Just my luck. But anyways, right now the Celtics are ten and eight. Ten and eight. Not great, Bob. Fifth in the East. They're half a game out of third, which is fine. Right now, they're below the Pacers and the Bucks, who are fourth and third. And then the Nets, who are, I think are a game and a half ahead of them in second. And then the 76ers, who are three games up and the number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference. So, let's recap all the games. Do stud and dud of the week. We'll preview the upcoming week because the Celtics have four games this week. They go on a five game road trip, and it is going to be brutal. Let me tell you that right now. So, the Bulls game no Kemba because it was the second night of a back to back, and no Wendell Carter for the Bulls, which was obviously a positive. Marcus Smart fit in very well and dropped 20 points, nine assists in his last two first quarters. And then the entire team in the first six minutes, or I'm sorry, in the first three minutes, were six of seven. So that so that's great. Like, what has helped Marcus Smart during this time, and we will talk about the Marcus Smart injury in a bit, but what has helped Marcus Smart is how tight he's running off the screens and how he uses that hip when he does get the ball to create some space to get those elbow jumpers. I would rather have Marcus Smart take fadeaway elbow jumpers after, you know, trying to back down a defender and using his hip, and keeping him on his, you know, left side, if the ball's on the right side, or if the ball's on the left side, keeping him on the right side, and shooting a jumper that way, than him jacking up like a 25-footer. So Marcus Smart, with how well he played in the first quarter in last Sunday's game, not being yesterday, but last Sunday's game, and then how well he played in the first quarter against the Bulls, is like, that's the Marcus Smart you want to see. And it was also the first game that Jason Tatum came back, and he didn't look rusty. I mean, sure, he shot an air ball, but overall, he didn't look rusty at all. He dropped seven. In the first, you know, few minutes of the game, also had a sick pass to Javante Green in the corner. Tatum's passing this year, folks, I'm telling you, he, it's going to be so important if he can trust his teammates. I thought in the Lakers game he did a little too much dribbling, a little too much, hey, this is me, I get it, national TV, LeBron, the Lakers, he loves Kobe, he had the purple wristband on, I get it, I get it, I get it. Also, I have cold sweats and nightmares that after this contract's up, and LeBron's, long gone and AD's long gone from the Lakers that Tatum's going to go to the Lakers and I will literally just die if that ever happens I just have this weird awkward terrible feeling that it could happen I don't think it will I have faith in Jason Tatum but all I'm saying is that there is a chance but the great part about uh, the very first half of this basketball game was Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart combined for 10 out of the 14 Celtics assists. that you love to say that means Jalen Brown is hitting shots. He was hitting shots off screen. And again, the Celtics did more baseline cuts, more backdoor cuts. You love it. And Jalen even leads the league in transition points, which is great because you never thought in a million years, the last two or three years have gone for the Celtics in their fast break, that anyone would lead the league in transition points. And that's been Jalen Brown because he's been terrific in all different areas. Carson Edwards came in. He got some early minutes. Again, he can't defend. He picked up three quick fouls. Aaron Niesmith also came in and played some pretty good defense. He didn't look like a statue out there anymore. I mean, we still got a long way to go with Aaron uh, Aaron Niesmith, but he played some good, good defense, I thought. Some definitely progressing. I mean, he did hit back-to-back threes, which is great. And I've been saying this entire time, be patient. Like, just because this kid hit back-to-back three-pointers and played some good defense doesn't mean he should immediately be in the rotation and be like the sixth or seventh man, like some people are acting. I'm telling you. Social media and Celtics fans do not go well together. They are just terrible. It's just like if someone hits a shot, their number should be retired. If someone misses a shot, they should be traded. I'm getting sick of it. It's absolutely ridiculous. But Daniel Tice, he also had a very first uh, nice first half in this game. Defended defended the ball well. Two uh, at one point, I think he scored like f- f- yeah, I think he scored four straight points in the second half, which was great to see. So Celtics at the half going up ten. Into the third, obviously a little nervous. A, it's the Celtics with the lead. B, it's the Celtics in the third quarter. And they went out and they wanted more, and I freaking love it. Tatum layup, Jalen three, Jalen three, Bulls timeout. Timeout didn't matter. Tice hits a jumper, Jalen layup, Tatum sticks a three. And, like, where has that been? Like, do you remember that? Like, that sequence right there from the Celtics in the the first, like, three or four minutes of that second quarter, uh, that third quarter in the Bulls game, was like, where is that? Why can't that happen, like, all the time? It was crazy. I mean, the Bulls did creep back a little bit, like a TLC song, and they got it to 12, but the Celtics answered a few times, which was great, and Jalen was hitting 20-plus foot jumpers. I mean, he was like 23 feet, 24 feet, 22 feet, 26 feet. It doesn't matter. I'm going to hit him. His improvement this year, folks, has been insane, and I know I've been saying it every single week, and I'm going to keep saying it until I'm satisfied that it's going to be something consistent because... He did go cold in the fourth quarter in the Spurs game, which I was not a fan of, and he also went a little cold in the first quarter of the Lakers game, and I thought he was going going on a cold streak, and he shut me up real quick, but the thing is with him is it has to continue all year, because even if he fades just a little bit with how well Kemba is not playing, like Kemba is so good at not playing well lately, and we'll talk about that later on, but overall, Jalen Brown has improved so much. His assist numbers are going up which i love to see. I mean, we haven't had a Jalen Brown dance party in a while, but that's okay. We'll get there. Uh, what else did I enjoy from that Spurs game before, uh, from the Bulls game before we move on? Oh, yes. Marcus Smart only took five shots the entire game. Marcus Smart only took five shots through, Through I'm sorry, not for the entire game. I think he had like six or seven eventually. But if Marcus Smart can give us 10 assists through the first three quarters of a basketball game and only take five shots, huh. <laughs> I'm going to smile like Mike Jones and Paul Wall. I'm going to show my grill every single time. You got to, yeah, I love it. But I didn't like how the Celtics did let the Bulls get back into the game a bit and the starters had to come back, in which I'm sure is very frustrating for them, which shows that some of these bench guys aren't ready if they can't hold an NBA lead against a Bulls team that's eh. But I know we've been trashing on. Grant Williams a lot in this podcast, just because I expect more from him, but he did do some nice things at the end of the game out there in crunch time, so a small tip of the cap to you for Grant Williams. So yeah, that's the Bulls game, 119-103, not a lot to complain about, but then we have the Spurs game, and the Spurs game was exciting because Smart, Kemba, Jason, Jalen, Tice, they're all playing together for the very first time since the bubble, the starting lineup that got the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Finals. You love to see it. This lineup makes me happy because nothing against Tristan Thompson, but he's just not as versatile on the offensive end as Daniel Tice. Like in a perfect world, if we could put Tice's offensive game, Time Lord's shot blocking, and Tristan Thompson's rebounding, with Time Lord's athleticism and Thompson's leadership and Tice's uh, defensive like leadership, because. I think he's very vocal. I think that's just something that the Celtics players really like that you just don't see in the in the box score. Like, they like hearing Daniel Tice yelling things out to them. If you put all those things together, you have, like, one of the best big men in the league, but it just sucks that it's three different players. But Tice didn't have the, the best game. He he wasn't that great. He got in foul trouble early, so Tristan Thompson got some early run. And and even with Tristan Thompson out with these four guys, they looked pretty good. They, they seemed to be all on the same page, but... The first quarter seemed to go well, and, you know, Jalen, again, his shooting off the dribble has been tremendous. He's getting these extra minutes over Tatum with the bench guys. Obviously, I'm sure it's like, you know, COVID stuff because Tatum's probably not going to be 100% for a while. What I mean by that is just like getting his endurance up, his adrenaline, making sure he's not tired, playing long extended minutes because Tatum's... Tatum already played a lot of minutes before he got COVID. And so I'm sure for him to get back into that with how much COVID messes up your lungs and, and all that, it's going to take some time for Tatum to really get those extended minutes. But Jalen Brown got those extended minutes with the bench, and I thought he did a really, really good job. But the Celtics got a double-digit lead. And you're probably saying to yourself, oh, well, that's good. They got a double-digit lead. How do they do it? Oh, they got it with Javante Green, the Time Lord, Jeff Teague, Shemi Ojale, and Jason Tatum why because of course uh what but the thing that drove me bananas like thinking about it now i'm getting uncomfortable and i feel like i'm going to black out the celtics got an 8 second violation now for those of you that are just your casual nba fan and it's like why are you getting angry over a turnover that's called an 8 second violation basically what that is is when a team scores for example when a team scores The Celtics have 8 seconds to inbound the ball and get it over half court. 8 seconds. You should be able to do that in about 3. The Celtics got a turnover from it. 8 seconds. Embarrassing. They couldn't get the ball over half court in 8 seconds. What a joke. But during this run where the Celtics did get their double-digit lead, the defense looked solid. But Brad tried to get a little too cute. I think he went a little too deep with the bench. Brought some guys in that probably shouldn't have been there. The Celtics then got lazy again, and the Spurs went on a 15-2 run, including an alley to LaMarcus Aldridge on a backdoor screen, which is embarrassing because LaMarcus Aldridge cannot jump over the Bic round stick pen that I have in my hand right now. Think about Grab a pen. Go ahead. Look at it. He can't jump over that, and he did in this. The Spurs were 16 of 23 in the second quarter. The Celtics are the second-best quarter team in the NBA, statistically. That's terrible. Jalen Brown couldn't buy a bucket. That didn't help. Five assists, seven turnovers in the first half. Guess what? That's awful. That's terrible. That's horrific. The Celtics' ball movement was a lot better in the second half, but they couldn't make a stop, especially inside. They dominated the paint, them being the Spurs. The defense was awful, just no effort at all. Tatum's offense started to get going. His post-up game, guys, Tatum's footwork when he gets the ball in the post is filthy. Oh, it's so good. It's, oh, 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 it's fantastic. Him and Jalen Brown combined for 29, uh, I'm sorry, not 29, 21 points in the third quarter for the Celtics. They got back into one, and then the Celtics, just like they did in the Lakers game, started out one of nine in the fourth quarter. Spurs blew them out the door. Start so The Celtics were so bad at defending the rim, they literally had to start playing a zone defense. And when they started playing a zone defense, the Spurs went 10-2. Shemi was out there, um... And Kemba did hit a big three, but at the end of the day with, uh, wow, I almost messed up that kid's name, with DeJounte Murray, sorry, that's a mouthful, DeJounte Murray with that steal at the end of the game for the dunk, and I know people are very mad at the end end of the game with Marcus Smart hitting a wide open three-pointer, why didn't Kemba shoot it, why didn't Jason shoot it? Well, number one, Kemba was too far away to shoot it got it over to Tatum, which is a good thing, but then all the Spurs ran over to Jason Tatum, and he found a wide-open person. Anyone playing basketball would be okay with that. Now, do we wish it was Jalen Brown? Yes. Do we wish maybe it was even Daniel Tice? Yes. But Marcus Smart is actually a better corner three-point shooter than he is anywhere else on the floor. So at the end of the day, it wasn't a terrible basketball play, just maybe not an ideal basketball play. And the Celtics didn't have timeouts, so if you want to maybe ask Brad, hey, maybe you used too many timeouts at the end of the game, okay, fine, touche. Touche. But, end of the game, not a bad play. Not a bad play. I'm okay with it. So, Celtics are 1-1 one one now at this point. Saturday night game, TD Garden, 8-30. First Saturday night primetime game of the year on ABC. Brad didn't go with the big starting lineup, which you could say was a good idea at first. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, that means Jalen Brown's going to have to guard Anthony Davis because Marcus All was out there and Tice is now going to have to guard Marcus All. Jason Tatum's going to have to guard LeBron. And then they tried to switch with Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart did do a good job defending Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis could just shoot right over him. I mean, Anthony Davis was so good in this game, he dropped 10 out of the first 19 points for the Lakers. And, folks, I hate the Lakers. I cannot say that enough. I hate the Lakers with every single ounce of my body. Yes, and I say hate. This isn't like, oh, I dislike them. No, I hate them. And it has nothing to do with LeBron. I hated hated the Lakers before LeBron. Hated the Lakers before Kobe. I've always hated the Lakers. Always. By the way, rest in peace, Kobe. Crazy that that last week was a year. Absolutely insane. But, earlier in the game, Daniel Tice missed a couple of tips. Like, you know, like bunnies. Like, jumps up, gets the rebound, tries to tip it in. He can't do it. That didn't help. But, the Time Lord and Daniel Tice were able to tip in a total of four points for the Los Angeles Lakers. So, if you take away the four points from the Los Angeles Lakers that Daniel Tice and Robert Williams III gave them, the Celtics would have won 95-92 to 92 if they just got the rebound instead of tipping it in. With that being said, I thought Daniel Tice was terrific in this game. He was the Celtics' leading scorer at the end of the first quarter. He had 10 points. He was hitting threes, getting good looks. Daniel Tice has played great the last couple of weeks, folks. He really has, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the Time Lord came in for Jason Tatum early to cover AD, and I thought he did an okay job. It's impossible to control and stop Anthony Davis. He's one of the top five best players in the league, hands down. And the fact that he had some, some rest, because he didn't play, uh, I think it was on Thursday night, for against the Pistons, Even which is why probably the Lakers lost, because Anthony Davis wasn't playing. No offense to LeBron. I mean, LeBron had a r- ridiculous game. But the thing with Time Lord is, Time Lord has improved a lot this year. I think we can all agree. Maybe not as much as Jalen Brown, but the Time Lord has improved a great deal this year. But he just has to stay on his feet. He really does. He needs to realize that trying to block Anthony Davis 18 feet away from the basket is not ideal. All you have to do is basically defend him and just put a hand in his face. Don't. If he catches the ball without dribbling and he goes up for a shot fake, just keep your hand up. Just keep one hand down by your hip. That way, if he does try and dribble, your hand's there. And then keep your hand up if he tries to shoot over you. And then, if he dribbles, now you know he's going to possibly shoot it eventually. And now you can go block your shot. So if the Time Lord can just stay on his feet for shot fakes, this kid's going to get more playing time. And I think he should get more playing time. I think it's time for the Time Lord, no pun intended, it is time for the Time Lord to get more minutes on this basketball team. I thought he played very well. He had a nice little game. Now, was it everything you wanted and more probably from your center? No, absolutely not. Let me just double-check what he had here. Yeah, four points, I'm sorry, ten points, seven boards, two steals, two blocks, two assists, five of five shooting in 18 minutes. Trishan Thompson, 15 minutes, one of two, five boards, one steal, one point. Nothing against Trishan Thompson. Trishan Thompson and Jeff Teague are going to be important come playoff time because they've been in those moments. But for right now, for this team to get better, the Time Lord has to play more. 1,000%. I thought Time Lord and Tice played very well together in the second half against Harrell and AD. Harrell, you know, could be defended by Tice or Time Lord. Tice really can't probably defend AD, but, you know, he tried and did an okay job, but Time Lord obviously did did a better job. Speaking of people who didn't do great jobs, Jeff Teague. You guys know at the beginning of the year, I was happy with this Jeff Teague signing. I wasn't like over the moon, but I just definitely thought it would be an improvement from, you know, maybe Brad Wanamaker, because we all know that I was on the Brad Wanamaker fan train. And by the way, Brad Wanamaker will be playing against the Boston Celtics on Tuesday night in Golden State, because now he's part of the Golden State Warriors, and he's playing actually pretty well for them. He's a veteran. He's old. He's good. Brad Wanamaker can get the job done as a backup point guard in the NBA. Jeff Teague, right now, hasn't. And I'm not too happy about it. He started off so well. Is it a slump? I don't know. He is who he is. But, with this Marcus Smart injury that Marcus Smart picked up in the fourth quarter, things are going to change. And with Peyton Pritchard out with that MCL, I think this is now week one, and next week's going to be week two. Something along those lines. Wait, when was the 76ers game? The 76ers game when he got hurt was last Friday. So this is... So maybe he's back for the second half of this road trip, which would be great. Because right now, you're going to be seeing a lot of maybe Tremont Waters, maybe a lot of Carson Edwards, maybe Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum playing the point. I'd be all for Jason Tatum running the point, being that point forward, going forward for these next couple of weeks. Because Marcus Smart, one of the scariest parts of last night's game was Marcus Smart's injury. He got hurt in the fourth quarter. Him and Harold went up for a rebound. Harold's knee, like, came down on Marcus Smart's knee, and Marcus screamed. Now, it might have seemed more serious than it actually was because there's no fans in TD Garden, so you can hear everything. And he screamed, and he was in pain, and he had to hobble off and get help and couldn't put any pressure on it. So, at first, you're like, oh, God. One of the angles you're like, non-contact injury, ACL, he's done. They show a different one, and then you're saying... Okay, that could be an Achilles. And now they're just saying it's a level one calf strain. He'll be out one to two weeks. So if it's the Marcus Smart of old, he'll be back in seven days. If it's maybe an older version of Marcus Smart, he'll be back in two weeks. Which is a bummer, especially missing him for this road trip. It's going to make the road trip a lot more difficult. But it can also maybe help Marcus Smart survive or heal from this pinched nerve that he has. So that can possibly could be a good thing but with that being said with Peyton Pritchard also being hurt and Kemba not being able to play on second nights of back-to-back so Kemba will not be able to play in the Kings game this upcoming Wednesday because they play Tuesday night against the Warriors Wednesday night against the Kings that's that's going to be a lot of Carson Edwards and Jeff Teague so (sighs) Jeff Teague needs Jeff Teague is going to be one of the most important pieces of this road trip coming up. And I understand if you're a Celtics fan and you've been watching, that's probably going to make you find a trash barrel and projectile vomit everywhere. But I have faith that he is in a slump right now and he will snap out of it. So hopefully he can play well before Peyton Pritchard comes back. Peyton Pritchard can come back to his old ways and the Celtics can start winning some basketball games. All right, so back to the Lakers game, even though I don't want to talk about it because I feel like I'm having a panic attack right now thinking about it because I hate losing to the Lakers more than anything in the world. Uh, I didn't like how the Lakers offense in that second quarter, very early in the second quarter, before the Celtics made a little bit of a comeback. I did not like how easy that offense was for them. It was like they were just going through the motions, like, here you go, here you go, here you go, good shot, great, next possession, here you go, here you go, good shot, great. (sighs) Very, very frustrating. But the Celtics' offense, and I'm sorry for the long pause there, but the Celtics' offense in the second quarter before they went on their little run to tie the game up, it was like pulling teeth. There are so many times I feel like the Celtics' offense, I don't know if it's the players, I don't know if it's the system, I don't know if it's the coaching, I don't know if it's the other team's good defense, I don't know what it is because the Lakers are obviously one of the top five best defensive teams in the league. But it just it's just like, what are you doing? Why are you struggling so much? I don't get it. But one of the things that really just drove me nuts during this run where the Lakers kind of got up, I think, at 8 points, 10 points, was when LeBron or AD didn't get a call, they literally walked back up the court. So run! Run! You have numbers! And if, like, they... they They just have zero court awareness sometimes. Like, if Jason Tatum gets a rebound because LeBron James is upset that he missed it or didn't get a foul call, same thing with AD. He goes up. He kind of flops a little bit. He slides, goes on the floor, and you have the rebound, and you don't have to worry about Anthony Davis coming back on defense. Run. Run. Go to the basket. Score. Like, you can even see Brad Stevens. Like, he looks like a third base coach telling someone to go home. Like, after a double, like, go, go home, go score. Like, the that drove me bananas during that game. I was yelling at the television, like, run, push it. I couldn't believe it. Now, they eventually got the game tied in the second quarter, which was nice. But Jason Tatum, I know he had a very nice game, 12 of 18, played 40 minutes, which was crazy, had 30 points, 9 rebounds, cute, adorable and all. But he did way too much dribbling out there for me way too much dribble, and I didn't like a lot of it at all in any single way, shape, or form. Tatum obviously does need to dribble a lot to get to his spots, to you know, to do the dribble-dribble step back that he always does. That's fine, but I just felt like at times, Jalen was looking around, and it kind of threw Kemba Walker out of his game a bit too because Kemba is one of those guys, and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. Kemba's a rhythm guy. Kemba needs shots to feel good. He needs the ball more to feel good, and, you know, but like I said, I'll talk about that in a little bit. So second half rolls around, and Jalen Brown said, fuck this. Give me the ball. I'm taking over. And he did. He found his spots. He found good shots in those spots, and he made the best of it. Jalen Brown was fantastic in that third quarter. He really was. And just like Jason Tatum was fantastic getting the Celtics back into the game when the Celtics were down seven with 90 seconds left, Jason Tatum took over, scored a bunch of points, and I was very happy with him. And I actually, let me, here, I'll say this now before I break down the rest of the game and my thoughts on it. That final play of the game, where Kemba Walker got that nice steal on Anthony Davis, and then tried to push it up to Jalen, and Alex Caruso made that really good play. We'll talk about if Brad should have called a timeout or not in a second. Jason Tatum walked up the floor. Walked. Why? Because you weren't going to get it? There there wasn't going to be enough time left for you to do your catch and dribble, 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 step back three? Run up the floor. If Jason Tatum ran up the floor, and then you have Daniel Tice and Jason Tatum trying to go up for an offensive rebound at the end of that game when Kemba missed it, what are you doing? Why are you at half court? What, what, you having a conversation with LeBron, shooting the shit? What are you doing? Help the team win. That was so frustrating for me. And I don't know I don't know if anyone's going to talk about it. They probably won't because they're probably just going to be like, ah, oh, well, the Celtics suck. Brad Stevens should be fired. they got to trade for Kemba. But that right there to me was bullshit by Jason Tatum. It really and truly was. He literally just walked up to court. Run! There could have been another option. Like, if he's sprinting up court and Kemba when he takes that step back, instead of seeing the setback and then he sees Jason Tatum running the floor and outrunning Anthony Davis or Harrell or whoever the hell was on the court for the Lakers, and Tatum catches the ball in the middle of the key and lays it up and in, huh, wow. And now Jason Tatum can be talked about, oh, he dropped 32 points, played 40 minutes, helped the Celtics beat the Lakers. Again, at TD Garden, is Jason Tatum now a top five player? But no, he had to walk his ass up to court. Absolutely ridiculous. But with the Celtics finishing that third quarter on a 12-2 run, it was really nice to see how bad the team sucked going into the fourth quarter. Oh, by the way, even though I am I just bashed Jason Tatum, that pass that he had to the Time Lord, like saving it out of bounds behind the back, throwing it over AD's head for, for the dunk, that was sick. So, salute of the cap to you there, JT. I love you, by the way, Jason Tatum. Just sometimes it, you just make me frustrated because I expect more from you. That's all. That's all. Sorry, bud. But anyways, having a lineup to start the fourth quarter of Tatum, Time Lord, Shemi, Aaron Neesmith, and Jason Tatum, not going to do it. Lakers went on a 6-0 run, and then they expanded their lead to 7, like I said, with about 90 seconds left. But, the Celtics only had 8 turnovers in the first 3 quarters. They kept care of the basketball. And I love to see that. But, in the first 6 minutes of the fourth quarter, they had 7 turnovers. Absolutely vomit city. So, Celtics did play good defense against AD in that last you know, uh, last possession of the game. And then, obviously, during the fast break, the big debate. Should Kemba have taken the shot? Should Brad call the timeout? Was it just a really good play by Alex Caruso? The Celtics technically did have numbers. Do you trust Kemba Walker taking that shot nine times out of ten? You most likely say yes, and this was the one time out of ten that it just didn't work out. But do you take your chances with how bad Kemble was in this game and that is what brings us to our stud and dud of the week hit the music and now it is time for the celtics stud and the celtics dud of the week Okay, so stud and dud of the week for episode 109 of the Banner Rancher Podcast. The stud this week is Daniel Tice. I know it's probably Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. They they both played well this week. But I was really impressed with how well Daniel Tice played in the Bulls game. Excuse me. I was not impressed with how he played in the Spurs game. He got in foul trouble. That happens. But I was very, very impressed with how well he played in this Lakers game. 35 minutes, 5 of 11, 7 rebounds, 14 points. He was a plus 8. Jalen was a plus 13. Tice was a plus 8. Tatum was a plus 0. He was even. So, Daniel Tice needed to be out on the floor. He did a great job versus the Bulls. Great job versus the Lakers. And that's that. So, the start of the week is Kemba Walker, folks. He He went 1 of 12. Kemba Walker, who went 1 of 12 against the Lakers. Which happens. Guys have bad games. Remember when Tatum went 1 of 17? Guys have bad games. It happens. But the question is, how much longer can these bad games be happening for Kemba Walker and the Boston Celtics as a team? Kemba is still a very good basketball player, guys. He really is. Guys and gals, he's still a good basketball player. And if you don't think he is, like, just stop. Like, You're being ridiculous. He was arguably the best player in round one against the 76ers when they beat him in the bubble. He played so well to start the Raptors series, that they literally played a box-in-one. Now, for those of you that don't know what a box-in-one is, basically, they put, you look at the the key, the little highlighted area near the free-throw line, they put two guys on the elbow, two guys on the baseline, and they have one person just running around like a lunatic following one specific player, usually the best player on the floor, which in this case for Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors was Kemba Walker. So that's a good thing. Sure, he struggled in the Miami series with the brightest lights. Fair, touche, good argument on your end, tip of the cap to you. But he looks healthy, he looks quick, he looks athletic, but obviously Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, this is their team. And they're playing so well right now. You don't want to affect that. And is this just going to be another Gordon Hayward situation where maybe Gordon Hayward was so good because he had the ball in his hands so much and his usage rate was through the roof and Kemba's not getting that, and Kemba's just one of those guys that always used to have the ball, which is why he always had those ridiculous numbers. Is that affecting his play? So do you try and get rid of Kemba? I, I say no, but would I be shocked if they do it? No, I wouldn't. I get it, but I wouldn't do it. So clearly, with the way that the Spurs used and abused the Celtics this past week in the post. The way that Joel Embiid is using and abusing the Celtics in the post for the last few years. Obviously what Anthony Davis did the other night. Is it time to make a move towards the center? But is it worth getting rid of Kemba for that? You may have to money-wise. I look at a guy like Steven Adams. Just a big physical guy. Maybe not the best rim defender. Because rim defenders are hard to come by. You could see if John Collins starts playing well or... Aquinu, or, uh, so, sorry, not Aquinu, Oquinu, sorry. Either way, I destroyed the spelling of that name. But the rookie from the Atlanta Hawks who I wanted the Celtics to draft, if they did trade up, the kid from USC, he's getting healthy. John Collins, he's getting better and better. So do they trust this rookie and John Collins playing together for their future, get rid of Capella's contract, and we get Clint Capella? Sure, I'm into that. Steven Adams? Sure, I'm into that. Andre Drummond, who wouldn't be into that? Uh, but again, he's not a shot blocker; he's just a presence in the post. But I don't think that can happen. I, I I can see Capella happening, but that means you're getting rid of Marcus Smart. Maybe not Kemba, but you're getting rid of Marcus Smart. Do people want that? I don't know. Do people would people rather have, you know, one of their favorite all-time Celtics players and Marcus Smart? You know, what I mean by that is the people who have only watched the Celtics for the last like you know. 15 seasons, like they really didn't get the best of Paul Pierce, or they didn't see Antoine Walker play, or they didn't really understand Kevin Garnett when he was here, they didn't see the Chauncey Billups, Reggie Lewis, Ron Mercer, Rick Pitino, Larry Bird days, you know, that's why they enjoy Marcus Smart. Do they want to see that, see Marcus leave, and then the Celtics getting banner 18, it would almost be like No Garcia-Para leaving the Red Sox in 4 and then the Red Sox won the World Series in 4 That's almost what it would kind of be like. But, for those of you that know I'm a Duke Blue Devil fan, it's time to bring J.J. Reddick to Boston. I've been wanting it my whole life. I really have. J.J. Reddick has not played a lot this year for the Pelicans. Now, I know the number one priority for the Celtics is getting a big man who can defend the rim and contest shots, unless Time Lord makes a huge jump, which we are all hoping and praying for. But, end of the day, the Celtics need shooting off the bench because, no offense to Aaron Neesmith, it's just not going to cut it this year. It's not. No matter how much he improves, it's just he's just not ready yet and that's okay. He'll be ready down the road next year, the year after that. Fine. I accept that. Get another veteran in here. Get someone who can shoot the ball. J.J. Reddick has made the playoffs every single year of his career except for one, which was last year with the Pelicans. And the other night, against the Milwaukee Bucks on ESPN nationally televised game, I don't even think he played 10 minutes. I don't even think he played at all. Get him here. It's a cheap deal. it's like 13 million dollars. You could use a trade ex- you can use a trade exception for him because I think you can only use a trade, ex- trade exception for one player. but if you have to get rid of Romeo Langford and a second round pick for J.J. Reddick with one of the trade exceptions that you have, do it. Do it now. Do it right now. You, you can help Nismith grow by having a veteran like J.J. Reddick here. You have another veteran in the locker room. You have a guy who's been in the playoffs every single year of his NBA career. I think he got drafted in 07 or 08. So he's been in the league forever and has seen multiple different playoff experiences. He can shoot the ball. He's one of the greatest shooters of our time, of our generation. Get him here. Thank you. So that's your stud and dud of the week. Tice, stud, Kemba, dud. So the Celtics have a five-game road trip coming up this week, folks. Four of those games are this week, and then the following game is in Utah. And Utah has been playing lights out lately. They've been, they've won 11 in a row. Obviously not the best time to go on a road trip during a pandemic when you've lost four out of the last six. You don't have Peyton Pritchard, you don't have Marcus Smart, and Kemba Walker can't play in the second night of the back-to-back. So here are the four games. Tomorrow – Um, sorry, not tomorrow. Well, if you're listening on Monday, yes. Sorry, I record on Sunday. So on Tuesday, ha <laughs> on Tuesday, Warriors – 10 p.m. on TNT. The next night, Wednesday, they play in Sacramento against the Sacramento Kings. And then Friday the 5th, they play at 10 p.m. on ESPN against the Clippers. And then Sunday at 2 p.m. on NBC Sports Boston, right before the Super Bowl against the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. Now, can they go on a run here and win all four games? Yes, ma'am, they can. 1,000% they can. And to be honest with you, I would really enjoy that. If they go three out of four this week, fine. You lose the Clippers game, fine. You lose the Suns game, fine. But, as, uh, of course, as long as you you know beat either the Clippers or the Suns. You can beat the Warriors. You can beat the Kings. And I think you should be able to split the Suns or the Clippers. The Warriors game on Tuesday night. Right now, technically the Warriors are a playoff team. Steph Curry is back to himself. Steph Curry is having fun, shooting the lights out again. They be- With the Warriors, they beat the teams that they should beat and then they lose to the teams that they should lose to. <laughs> you know. So they can beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. They can beat the Detroit Pistons. Congratulations. But they're not beating the Clippers. They lost to the Suns last week, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They are a bottom 10 defense in the league. And I really don't see a lot of guys on that team defending Jalen or Jason. I don't see Kelly Oubre. I don't see Andrew Wiggins. I don't see Kent Bazemore defending any of those guys. Draymond Green can, but it will be tough for him. Draymond Green, obviously one of the better defenders in the NBA. He can do it, but he's getting old. He's not the same guy. Speaking of Draymond Green, this might mean we see a lot of Grant Williams. I would prefer Shemi Ojale, but we might be seeing a lot of Grant Williams defending uh, Draymond Green, especially with the weird starting lineup. So the starting lineup, you, it may be a Teague, Tatum, Brown, Grant Williams, Daniel Tice lineup against this Warriors team. So don't be surprised by that. Andrew Wiggins is having a nice year for them so far. He's averaging about 18 points a game. Uh, Wiseman, he's the rookie that got taken second. Right After Anthony Edwards, yeah, he got taken second. He's playing better and better every game. He's definitely improving. I'd love to see him and Time Lord in some f- sort of matchup for, if not all, but the majority of the game. And for some odd reason, because the Celtics always left, let some random guy go off in these weird road trips every once in a while, I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly Oubre just has one of those games where he just goes nuts. But they still have Eric Pascal. He, has, he had back spasms the other day. He should be available for this game, but if not, obviously that's an advantage for the Celtics. You know, I mentioned uh, Ken Baysmore. He's a good guy, but Celtics should win this game without a shadow of a doubt. So next night, second night of back-to-back against uh, the Sacramento Kings. They're not going to have Kemba. So again, you're looking at maybe a Teague, Brown, Tatum, Tyson, Thompson lineup because the Kings can go big. They do have two good big men, Marvin Bagley and uh, Rashawn Holmes. They're having very nice years. Rashawn Holmes is having a great year. He has improved a great deal. He's kind of traveled over the league a little bit. He was on the Suns. He was on the 76ers for a little bit, and he's having a very nice year. He can rebound the ball very well. He's big. He's physical. Marvin Bagley. Even though his dad complained about some of the minutes he was getting earlier in the year, he's been playing better. But their main guy is De'Aaron Fox. He's a hell of a player, having his best year yet. He's in the same draft class as Tatum and Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo, uh, Dylan Brooks, Derek White, all those guys. You don't really hear a lot about him, but he is still a very, very good basketball player. He's having his best year yet. He's averaging, I think, like 22, 23 points a game. But here's the thing. The Kings allow 119 points a game, which is the second most in the league. So have a field day, for the love of God. Drop 140 points. I mean, if you can drop 140 points on the Cleveland Cavaliers la- or you know, 10 days ago or whenever the hell it was, and they technically going into that game was the second best defense in the league, you should have a field day against this team, especially without Kemba. I want, this is one of those games where I want Jalen and Jason to drop like 35 each and have them just go absolutely nuts. But they are getting, they being the Sacramento Kings, a lot of – energy from their bench especially from Tyrese Hilberton from Iowa State they took him 12th in the NBA draft this year he can defend he can score he can shoot the analytics world loves this kid when it comes to stats analytics all that stuff which means I guarantee you before the press conference Brad Stevens is going to talk about him I guarantee it but this is probably the most winnable game on the road trip so the way I look at it you beat the Warriors, you beat the Kings, you go into Friday night's game against the Clippers, and hopefully we can have a rematch from last year the last time we were in L.A., but this time with the Celtics winning in overtime, not losing in overtime. If you remember last year, this is when Tatum basically dribbled and dribbled and dribbled, and Paul George fell on his feet. He hit that step-back three-pointer to put the game in, in overtime, and then we all remember when the Celtics beat the Clippers in fe- uh, last February, when Tatum was going on that ridiculous run, they also beat the Clippers in overtime. So this is going to be a good game. But the Clippers do have a new look this year. They have Ty Lu, He's their new coach. Doc Rivers isn't their coach anymore. He obviously went to the Philadelphia 76ers. But the Clippers, they have a top 10 defense, a top 10 offense, and they have the best three point percentage this year out of any team. They're shooting 41.4%. The next closest team is th- 39.8. That's almost two percentage points better. And if the Celtics... On the third night of a road trip, they're sick of traveling, they're sick of being stuck in their rooms because of all the COVID protocols. Jacking up three-pointers against this team, taking 43-pointers against this team is not going to cut it. It's going to be terrible. It really and truly is. Don't do it. Right now, Patrick Beverly is out for the Clippers. He has an injury. He probably will be back, but if he is, the Celtics have to match his energy. He's a big energy guy. You know, he scrappy plays. They're not going to have that with Marcus Smart, you know, unless there's some miracle that he comes back quicker than a week. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to take their time with Marcus. I think the Celtics realize how weird of a year this this year is, and they realize whether they're the four or five seed they got a good chance of going for a deep playoff run. And then, of course, you know, the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George. Kawhi is doing Kawhi things. Paul George is finally playing good basketball again. He's not playing terrible playoff Paul George basketball like he did in the bubble. Serge Ibaka is also playing very well for them too. This is probably going to be the toughest game on the road trip. It really is. And Tice and Time Lord and Tristan Thompson have to be prepared for Serge Ibaka to hit three-pointers and take three-pointers off of pick-and-pops. So Paul George will get the ball. Paul George will get a screen from Serge Ibaka. He'll attack the rim. He won't see anything, and then they'll kick it out to Serge Ibaka. He'll be waiting at the top of the key, and he'll be wanting to shoot it. Get in his face, put a hand up, try and block some shots. Serge Ibaka is a good three-point shooter. He's been scoring a lot of points this year for the Clippers. Career-wise, this is a very good move for him, so they have to control him. And then finally, we get to see Marcus Morris. Stand by your man, Marcus Morris. One of my favorite Celtics players of all time. I wish he never left, but it will be nice to see Stand by your man, Marcus Morris, out there on the floor. And then finally, on Super Bowl Sunday, my prediction: Tom Brady wins number seven. It's going to be a close game, but I hope Tom Brady wins. Uh, championship number seven. It'll be cool to see. But Suns, Celtics, two p.m. on NBA TV. If you're not in the uh Boston, New England area, if you don't have M- NBC Sports Boston, they it will be on NBA TV. So you can check that out. Like you know, talking to you, Big T. Uh, so obviously, I've had high hopes for the Suns this year. I think they were going to be really good this year, and they. As of right now, have the same exact record as the Celtics, 10-8. and eight. I think they do play tonight, so it may change by the time you listen to this. But for right now, they have identical records. And I thought Chris Paul was going to be a great great uh, addition to the team. He, he made the Thunder look unbeatable last year at times. So you figure if you can add a veteran guy, very good point guard in the league, add that with DeAndre Ayton, add that with Mikel Bridges, add that with Devin Booker. <laughs> They should be a good team. And they've played some good basketball at times, and then they've played some bad basketball at times. And, you know, that happens for, you know, a whole bunch of guys playing together for the first year. But Jay Crowder, he's on this team. You know him. Don't leave him open for a three-pointer. He'll hit it. If you contest his three-pointer, he'll he'll miss it because he can't make a contested three-point shot for the life of him. And in this game, just please just don't let Devin Booker score 70 points again. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's defense in the Clippers, and Suns game are going to be very important. Jason Tatum hasn't been that great defensively this year. I mean, he's definitely shown, you know, why he's one of the best two-way players in the league, but it really has to show this week, especially against Kawhi, Paul George, Devin Booker, etc., etc. So I'm I'm expecting a lot of good things defensively from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum this week. Of course, offensively as well. And then what's pretty funny, Abdel Nader. Remember him? Maine Red Claws, Boston Celtics. He's averaging eight points a game for their the Suns this year. Isn't that ridiculous? Absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, this is a big, important, must win, come off confidence week for the Celtics because the following week against the Jazz, the Raptors, it's not going to be easy. The Raptors are playing well and the Jazz have won 11 in a row so they're playing ridiculous. But all right, this has gone on way too long but thank you so much for tuning in for the entire time to episode 109 of the Banner Banter podcast and if we do hit 10,000 listens this week, thank you again so much. I really and truly appreciate it. But that's it. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. I don't think I said that earlier, sat so the podcast, but maybe I did and I just black out. But thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, stay warm and uh, go Celtics. Celtics Pride. Thanks for all your support as always. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the Fans of Boston, I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.